Whoops. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold! Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong! This is The Loaf, and with me, Dr. Zahn. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm typing something about Lemmy. Lemmy? And I'm typing something about liking, wanting to uh, dirty somebody's shirt. <laughs> How are you, sir? Well, I just woke up. I think I'm, I think I'm awake. And uh, I woke up very Thursday. I fell asleep on my couch. Which is not good because that means that I'll probably will be in traction, and um, <laughs> I missed. I'm sure it was probably nice out today. I I probably missed like every bit of it. I did. It's nighttime now. I need yeah. to take some. Uh, I'm like one of those people that lives in a cave or in prison with no sunlight, and I need to take vitamins to supplement my D, A, <laughs> and C or whatever E maybe. Some kind of vitamins. I don't know if, yeah, mainly No D. sunshine. You're going to get rickets. You know that ain't no sunshine when she's gone? Yeah. Well, there ain't no sunshine. In Zom's house. In Zom's house. Do you have blackout curtains for the Yes. Yeah. When I'm in the bedroom, I'll wake up and I'll be like, fuck, man. I must <laughs> have, have no slept all night. Is. It's an hour later. And when I open <laughs> the door, it's like noon. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I lose track of time. I don't know what day it is a lot of times. Ugh. Just I'll just be dead one of these days, and you know it'll probably be a weekend. Black blackout curtain. Somebody will walk in, and there'll be flies. It'll just stink in your house. Yeah, well, I don't care. I'll be dead. <laughs> the dogs will care. I always tell people at work that I hope that if I die like that, that my dogs will eat me <laughs> to to sustain themselves until somebody finds you. Hey, you know Lee Majors, the six million dollar man and the Fall Guy, is seventy five years old today. Happy still birthday, looks, Lee. Yeah, he still looks good. Probably looks better than a lot of guys that are 75. Well, he probably looks better than me, and I'm <laughs> fucking young. Well, compared to him. <laughs> he could be your dad. Uh, this he, week he on could. the show, uh, we are getting back I into wish was. some, uh, yeah, <laughs> some baseball. Um, we're doing a kind of a baseball movie, uh, The Battery, from, ni- from 2012. It's got the feel of baseball at times. They play some baseball in it, yeah. kind of. Uh, and we're doing a, 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 a sports comedy, 1989's Major League. What <sighs> baseball movies did we do last uh, time? We did Field of Dreams. Yeah. 
and we did a League of Their Own. Oh, okay. Yeah, two, League of Their Own. Yeah. Two I had never seen. And now uh, this was this was only one I'd never seen because I said, like I said. And this wasn't like Stripes where I had not seen the end. This is one I had actually seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll get into those soon. Zom, what have you been watching this short week? <laughs> Playoff well, hockey, I assume. Yeah, I watched... Um, I watched some hockey. I watched the Flyers get beat the other day. <clears throat> oh. Watched some Penguins and uh, Blue Jackets, which looks like the Jake, the Blue Jackets, are uh, not. It's not looking good for either of our teams. Um, How about them Hurricanes? Ooh. It won't be over till they clear their name, um, <laughs> and they better start clearing it. <laughs> But uh, but uh, okay, that's it. <laughs> okay, uh, Morgan Spurlock has a new show on CNN. I've been uh-huh. seeing commercials for it, um, but I didn't know what it was. And it's like every show is an hour documentary on something. Uh-huh. I watched one which had to do with the uh, legalization of marijuana, and he gives like both sides. And um, he went and worked at a um, a medical marijuana dispensary. And it showed how you, you know, have to have a um, uh, go to the doctor, get a prescription, blah 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 blah. And this place was, it was nice. I mean, hell, it, it, the the guy that started it in Oakland said he wanted to set an example and a trend for what these places will be like. So it's not like you're going into a shitty cheap pawn shop or something. I mean, this place was big. It was nice. They have like a vault. It's all. It was all uh, nonprofit. Nice. Uh, they have a big vault to keep their money, and they had weed like you would not believe. They <laughs> test it all. I'm not. I'm not. What, yeah, and and they have like um, they test the the THC and stuff in in different ones, and they have like what each one. Like this one would be good. It's like a, a, a good for alertness. This one's good for uh, sleeping. This one's good for anxiety. Different buzzes and everything but i mean it was done really professionally i was, so, I was really surprised but then like the federal government's like well, you gonna do that yet? so um, so in these dispensaries now huh? w- w- when you buy weed from from a buddy or on the street or whatever yeah that weed probably comes from like mexico and i know i actually know people that have like longtime pot smokers that stopped because they believed that they were supporting the whole cartel thing of mexico and everything yeah the does I don't know if they go into it at all in the in that, but where they, they get it? Where does it come from? They actually he goes. They put him in a van with a blindfold around his face. There are great big pot growing places out there. Um, these people have these big warehouses, oh. and uh, I think they said like fifty plants per. Like if they have fifty of these lights, they'll have like a football field size thing. Where they grow this different kinds of well, pot. I saw how they do it in one. It was, I don't remember the documentary, but these guys basically will buy a tractor trailer or, or a few tractor trailer like trailers, and yep. they bury them, and they it turns into like an underground greenhouse. Yeah, yeah, and they use these like grow lights and stuff. Yeah. So really, really, all there is is just like a, a dirty little. Like hole in the ground to get in, but it's Shit, a huge this thing compound. looked like a goddamn factory. They had huh. um, uh, he it was a five hundred thousand um, dollar like the the whole uh, 
the building and everything, not the weed, but like the lights. Right, they right. had these um, big charcoal filters that on the air ducts uh, that keeps the smell down so people can't smell it right, outside right. or whatever. And um, so they do it all like that. Uh, they, this guy had a, a bag uh, that they brought to the dispensary, and it was like 50 pounds of of marijuana and they go through it and they you know sift through it they crunch it up they do all these tests and everything it's really professionally done uh, then the second one was about um guns and he went to work at a gun store and it was uh like right after it was before during and after the sandy hook uh thing where the guy went in and killed all the little kids yeah and um the first time he worked in the gun store, you know, he's in there and he just talks to the customers and asks them, you know, well, what do you think about this, this, and this, and everything? You know, they're like, oh, Obama. Not all of them. There were some that were like, hey, you know, I buy guns. I like to shoot and everything. But these fucking people are ridiculous, you know, that think the government's <laughs> going to come get married. And, um, but after the Sandy Hook thing, he went back to the same store and it was almost c- completely empty of guns because they had had such a run on people buying guns. Jesus Christ. I uh, watched one about migrant uh, pickers, uh, like Ill- illegal immigrants. Uh, and these guys go out and pick these oranges. And um, I think th- the the guy that picked the most got $98 a week. Ugh. And had, I can't remember, like him and his wife. His son wanted to be a, wants to be a lawyer. They live in a shitty, like, rundown house that is so shitty and he went out to try and do it and he made it through the whole day picking these things but if that guy picked 10 of these huge rubber bins full of oranges morgan spurlock picked like uh i think two he's and he was i mean he was dying because you know he'd never done it before but it's a good show and i like how they show like the you know the pros and cons and everything right um, I watched Alan Partridge with Steve Coogan, uh, which is uh, I watched one of his last week with Judy Dench, and this one's really this one's like the one with Judy Dench was more serious, right. and it had bits of comedy in it. This one is nothing but funny, and it's fucking hilarious. He, <laughs> I guess, he's done this character for. I'm kind of in the dark, but I think it's all like on a TV show or something. It's fucking funny, so I encourage. It's a brand new one, so. I uh, watched Skyfall like two or three times because <laughs> I, I watched it on my iPad and I was like, man, that was so good. And so then I went back and watched some of it again and again. I just wasn't uh, a big fan of that one. I, but I'm, was, not, I'm not a Bond guy, though. Oh, I loved it. It was good. It's so, it's so exciting. I watched Melius with about the documentary about John nice. Melius. And, um, it reaffirmed everything you thought about him being a blowhard gun hawk. Pretty much, and he's just a goof. Uh, I, I understand that, uh, like what they were saying, because I'm I have friends like that, and there's they are good friends. They do anything for me, uh, blah 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 blah. But um, you know, and I know I understand that kind of person because, like I said, I went to to grade school, high school with this guy, and he's on Facebook now, and he's a huge conservative he's a huge republican and he's one of these ones that's like so out there with it and proud of it that it's nauseating but i also think that he does a lot of that to get attention right like i think milius does too because 
anybody that would say, I dream of dropping fire from the sky on children is either a moron, stupid, yeah. <laughs> a psychopath, or just some asshole that gets off on getting a reality. Let's like Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, and Coulter love saying the most disturbing, stupid shit just so I like to watch liberals' heads spin. Yeah, but do you realize that you're sound, you're saying shit that makes you sound like a fucking moron, a loser, or a psycho? So, I mean, you know, have at it, but eventually people are going to think that's what you are. And he's saying, you know, I felt sorry for him at the end and everything. And like I said, I like his writing. I like his movies. They're, you know, his macho bullshit. It translates well to screen and everything. Yeah. But he's kind of a goof. Fat goof. Um <laughs> Let's see. I watched Interior Leather Bar on Netflix. Yeah. It's only an hour long. Did you watch it? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. It's an hour long. Um, while I was watching it, I was thinking, Jesus Christ, this is only an hour long, and I feel like I'm wasting an hour of my life. Oh. But I understand the point that Franco is making. Uh, I, don't even, I don't even know what the movie is. Well, it's not. You just Do I have need to, to go into this cold. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just go into a cold. If you've seen cruising, but it, yeah, you, you is know. he talking about cruising or is he talking about the culture? Do I or I need to wait and see? It's you just need to wait and see. Okay, okay. it's he's making a point. Okay, and to make the point, he and this is on Netflix. I mean, they left. I don't know. I never saw it before Netflix, so I don't know what was cut. If any anything was cut out of it, but you see some fucking basically hardcore gay sex. Okay. And I'm talking about a guy close up of a guy sucking a guy's dick and shit like that. And you know, but there's a point to it. And, but I, I don't know. I just, you know, uh, uh, it was, I'm, I'm great. Well, I'm just, uh, kind of on the fence. Okay. Because if you sit there and say, man, that was fucking shit, uh, it's, not, it's not like there wasn't a reason for what he was doing. But I, and I, and the one thing, that's like when I was talking about whether it's 47 Ronin or whatever, when you go, and I think I started out like this with this, when you go into something with the attitude, here's what I expect. And then when I don't get what I expect, then I trash the movie. It's like, well, guess what? That that doesn't mean shit. That just because you expected that, that's not what it was. It's <laughs> something else. That doesn't make it bad. That just mean, you know, you you prejudged it. And if it wasn't going to be exactly cookie cutter what you thought it was, then you're going to turn around and say, well, that sucked. You know. So, but okay, let's get off that. But you know. Eh. <laughs> Uh, I watched Jean-Luc Godard's Alphaville, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, man. I didn't like it. <laughs> I, I, I um, do you do you like his his work typically? Well, he did Breathless, right? Yeah, the original. I like that. Did he do Jules and Jim? Is that him? I don't know. Well. 
Jules and Jim is that's Truffaut. Okay, that's Truffaut, but I didn't like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, but anyway, Godard. Um, he did. Let's see what else you might have seen by him. It's a noir in a in like a future place that kind of has like a like a Philip K. Dick. Uh, sci-fi kind of a thing, right? But you know what it kind of reminded me of? Hang on one second. But it's these itchy. Piero Lafu Lefu. I don't know how to pronounce that one. He did that one. But the deal is, it reminded me of. Um, remember when we did American Soldier? The German? yeah. Okay, it's kind of like that. It's very odd, like that. Okay, but. Um, and there's some stuff in it where you're like, oh, what the fuck was that? <laughs> but at least um, American Soldier, I remember laughing a lot at it, like when the guy was laying on the bed just completely naked and, you know, with this tan line ass and shit like that. But this one just didn't, and I will say this, I didn't finish it. I turned it off. So I need to, you know, it's one of those ones I think I need to go back and give it a more of a chance. Right. But I mean, I was watching this and I know it's a classic. I've seen the the box art forever and thought, man, you know, I want to watch this. And I think the gentleman either reviewed it or one of them had watched it and talked about it. I just it it it's like what the fuck? So, <laughs> you know, maybe I just couldn't wrap my head around it the other day. I'll give it one more chance and then I'm and if I if I feel the same way, I'll just say then fuck you're, it. You're it, just fucking you're just it, saying fuck it to all French cinema. It doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all I watched. Sweet. Um I had a super busy week. I watched a whopping one movie. Yeah. And I watched it in three parts because <laughs> a ninety minute movie I had to break up in three parts. Um Let's see. I watched some baseball, and uh, I know I did something. Well, I don't know what the fuck. Oh, oh I started watching uh, some NXT, the WWE's like developmental thing. Yeah, you're really getting back into the wrestling. Yeah, it's it's you know, I it, it goes in waves. Um, but yeah, these uh these you know, it's kind of like uh, it's watching. Like the lower budget style, you know, like Ring of Honor or something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, eh, it's all right. Um, uh, this is, I watched like a pay-per-view or something from last month and it was like Cesaro, the guy who's getting uh-huh. a big push now. And this guy that actually Jim Cornette has talked a lot of shit about before called, his name's Sammy Zane now. I don't know his real name, but uh, he used to pl- he used to be a luchador named El Generico. And Cornette just had <laughs> talked more than once about how stupid the gimmick was and like he never talked. And he's like, it's a white guy with red hair. He doesn't say anything and he's a luchador named well, El generic. Generico. That's generic. He's like, it's the dumbest thing ever and he'll never get over and blah, blah, blah. I told him he needs to take off the mask. He needs to stop with the blah, blah, blah. He needs to learn how to sell and he needs to uh, talk because he'll never be a baby face if he can't talk. And now he's gone to NXT and uh, from Ring of Honor. And he's done everything that Jim Cornette told him to do when he was at Ring of Honor and de- never did. And now he's getting over. So. <laughs> well, does Jim Cornette acknowledge that? Um, he, I don't know that Jim Cornette watches NXT, but somebody did write. And Jim Cornette said he has improved drastically. And he said, yeah. It's, it, but he did comment on it. He's like, yeah, he's totally getting over now that he's doing all the stuff that I told him to do four years ago. <laughs> Ring of Honor. Well, now, have you, um, have you been 
listening to uh, Conan show. Uh, I you know what I listen to their post WrestleMania show. Yeah, I, all, I think I listen to that too. That's all I listen to though. Well, um, I remember f- ever since I started listening to it, Court Bauer would say, "I'll never book wrestling again. I'll never w- work for a wrestling company again." Oh, I saw that announcement they did. Now what? But is now he- he's working for Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, yeah. And they're well. So is he booking or is he doing promotion? I don't know what, the I don't know fuck what he's, he's doing because I think he might be like higher up than that. Even I don't think okay. he's on the yeah. creative staff because he's doing something with getting deals made with them getting a you know pay per view deal where yeah. they actually get live pay per views instead of because for the past past few years they've been doing them all online. So like well, yeah, bucks. and he was talking about they're getting back into the live streaming. The, yeah. the streaming thing that I think New Japan uses, There's but it just surprised me because he was so vehement that I'm, you know. But yeah, then, that, you know, when somebody's like, "Never say never," you everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> from what I hear, what was I? What was I watching? Oh, Easter Easter morning. I don't think I mentioned it. I watched uh, the. Wait, did I mention that last week when Booker T did called out Hulk Hogan? Hmm. Oh, when he, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, was it's funny. so funny. That's a funny um, clip. That that's uh, definitely you get some uh, real reactions and people trying to then hold back their. Oh my God, Sherry could not. She was about to lose her shit. <laughs> and Booker T, he still tried to keep going, but oh. he well, he tried to the way he said it. He, he tried, tried to, to come it. back and say he tried to come back and say knuckleheads. He's like knucklehead, knuckle. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't knucklehead. <laughs> Didn't work. Yeah. Um, that was pretty funny. Anyway, um, the only movie I watched this week, I wanted to watch some uh, some Cheeber. Sure. Some Sonny Chiba. I watched Doberman Deka or Detective Doberman or Doberman Cop. This is based on a manga. It is a directed by Kenji Fukusaku. This is a it's a it's a murder. Like there's there's basically in Tokyo there's a bunch of prostitutes getting murdered by getting strangled and then burned like just caught like like doused in gasoline and burned Ugh. and he comes in and he is uh well they call him they saw they call him a few things they call him kano um he does this pretty awesome and it looked like him this like rappel stunt down a uh a skyscraper where because he need they need to get into this 20th it's a 40-story building, and he needs to get into this room on the 20th floor, so he decides to go in through the window. Um, so they start the, the media starts calling him Detective Tarzan because he swings. Um, and then uh, you know the cops know him as the Doberman because he's... That would be cool if he was called Detective Tarzan because he swings, because him and his wife have sex with other couples. <laughs> well, this is a pretty cool movie. I just wrote a, a concept for a movie. He... Uh, He's he's from Okinawa, so he's like he's almost like he's like this kind of superstitious like farmer. He wears a straw hat and he carries a pig <laughs> with him everywhere. <laughs> but he's like this master detective. He's like he's helping the he's basically solving the case that the Tokyo. It's like a hillbilly Columbo. Yeah, well he's a to- he's a he's a detective in Okinawa, and for whatever reason he's in Tokyo at the moment. Um, he crashes when he's there. He stays with a with this dancer who basically performs live sex acts on stage and she rapes him on the stage essentially. Nice. Um, but uh, I don't know it's good. He does some good, good karate in it. Uh, some cool camera work. It's a fun little movie. Nice night. 90 minutes. 
Um, I've got another one. I got one, that, and I'm pretty sure Jake recommended it to us. Wolf guy, where he's kind of he's a I think he's a detective in that too, but he's also a werewolf. So, uh, <laughs> I fucking love Sonny Chiba. Um, but that one's worth checking out. That's all I watched. I think Wolf Guy might be based off a of, of a comic too. Oh, I've been Wolf Guy is pretty fucking funny because his well, it? yeah, okay. and his eyebrows are out of fucking control. They're <laughs> the only part of him that looks like a werewolf. That's the uh, oh. Uh oh, I still been ah. I still been reading a lot of comics. I'm still reading Valiant comics. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm like I have about six different. I I have my uh, essential Tomb of Dracula, which I'm going through. Mm-hmm. I have a Shazam or Captain Marvel uh, book that's like his greatest stories. I have still have Concrete in there. They're all right by my toilet. Um, I have a the the last Superior Spider-Man just came out, so I got that in the mail. Um, when you get them in the mail, do they like box them up, or how do they how do they come? They to have you? the backing thing, which okay. is is an order form for your subscriptions or whatever. Uh, uh, so I mean, they're never bent or anything. Huh. Yeah, well, my mailbox is huge too. It's one of the ones they can put them in there without even having to. They don't have to slant it or anything; just lay it for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, Oh, but I mean, I've, there's a bunch of shit in there, and I, I'm kind of like, man, I need to quit buying books and stuff until I get the stuff that I have read, which would take me till the day I die. Well, I'm, I'm pick, I'm, I'm actually through. So mm-hmm. I, t- I think I mentioned it last week. I'm doing the Valiant reading order. I'm reading the issues yeah. of Valiant comics in the order that of the, the storyline, and uh, I'm, I'm farther along than I ever got when I was a kid because. Or when I was a kid, I was like sixteen when I was reading those. But the um, the older you get, that is a kid. Yeah, it is. Like it's when you're a, younger, it's a, it's you're like sixteen is really not a kid. Like eight is a kid. But when you get to be like in your thirties, twenty is a kid. 40s now fifties, yeah, yeah. Especially when you talk to somebody that's twenty years old, and you're like, God, you're a fucking <sighs> moron. Yeah. The, um, the uh, but I'm farther along now because Valiant Comics were really at, when they first came out were so fucking expensive. Because they didn't have a huge print run, and like I remember yeah, buying, and all the speculators were going ber- berserk. Yeah, they thought it was a big thing. So I couldn't afford any of the early comics, so I had to read. I had to like pick and choose what I read. So I'm still in the ma- the story that I'm reading. I'm still in like Harbinger and Rye and Magnus and uh, uh, Solar. I haven't gotten into like the robot. Was it the robot hunter? Or Magnus whatever? robot fighter. Karate yeah. chops every. Well, the yeah. Robots. Um. Do they have like a compilations of those like omnibus or essential Valiant, never, or do you have to buy the actual? Them. Never seen them. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can, I can, I can get them to you. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I understand. I'll, I'll send, I'll send you I, when I'm done reading them. I'll send them to you. How about that? That's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> I, I, that just totally went over my head. <laughs> I'll get them to you. All right. Uh, so let's take a break. Come back and uh, yeah, let's talk about the battery first. I have it open first. The Battery, 2012. We'll be right back. Okay, and welcome back to another episode of Guess That Riff. With me on the show tonight, my first contestant is Mr. Fred Nurk. Fred, are you ready to guess that riff? I sure am. Okay, here's riff number one. Ah, that's It's a Long Way to the Top by ACDC. Fantastic, Fred. Okay, here's riff number two. Hmm, that 
that one is Eagle Rock by Daddy Cool. Fantastic! You're doing great, Fred. Now this one's a tricky one. Guess riff number three. Hmm. That one is I Walk the Line by Johnny Cash. Fantastic, Fred! How did you know all those riffs? Well, I listened to Love That Album podcast. That's fantastic. Really? Uh, no. That's what you told me to say, Dad. Max, shh. I told you never to call me Dad during the promo. Go to lovethatalbum.blogspot.com or type in Love That Album, all one word, into iTunes. Listen to Love That Album. It might turn you into a rock geek. Or you might just con your son into making pitiful promos for your podcast. <laughs> Song. And this song is called Battery. All right. Did you know that the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, came back uh, from a 3 0 deficit to win 4 3 in overtime? Yay! The Blue Jackets. Jackets. He's going to have to be a Dallas Stars fan. Yeah, now. what a jerk. <laughs> Traitor. All right. Battery 2012. Zombie, you want to synopsize? Yeah. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. The personalities of two former baseball players clash as they transverse the rural back roads. Plague, post-plague, New England teaming with the undead. What? <laughs> uh, this close. is a 2012 very, very independent film um, directed by Jeremy Gardner, written by Jeremy Gardner, starring... Jeremy Gardner and some other people. Basically, it's uh, Jeremy Gardner and uh, Adam Kronheim and some other people kind of make appearances, but it's really just the two of them. <laughs> and a bunch of zombies. Kind of a bunch. Um, so, this is a... I guess it's not technically a baseball movie, but we'll get into that a little bit. Maybe it's the most baseball movie you've ever seen. Well, maybe. So... I dig how the movie starts. Um, it starts very, very quietly. Um, the uh, first you see are one of our main characters, uh, and I, oh, I forget their name, Mickey, and uh, Ben is the is the the other one. Um, you see Mickey listening to music. I don't know what it was he's listening to. I really like the soundtrack of this. Um, I don't know if I, I, I didn't recognize any of the music, but I thought it was pretty decent. Um, but uh, Mickey's kind of in his own head. He's got this. You know, cool retro headset and a fucking very uh, non. Let's see, 
didn't really make sense to be carrying a disc man around, but yeah. <laughs> um, he's basically hoarding batteries wherever they go. And um, Well, if you think about it, I mean, in a situation like that, I mean, uh, would you be... Probably wouldn't have access to a computer, and even if you did, if the shit had went down, yeah, I guess you probably couldn't charge it. I don't much. know that they have; pla- they don't seem to have electricity anywhere. But yeah, um, so this is post. This is a you don't learn this at first, but the, the, this takes place after. It's got to be a few, maybe maybe up to a year. It's more than three months, maybe less than a year after some sort of outbreak, and basically, there's you know. Humanity has has exit, exited stage left. Yeah, the taco lips has arrived. <laughs> have uh, you broken your vow? What? No, You're I haven't. I have not been to Taco Bell in two weeks at least. Well, so. I was there today, so. I, and I've I've passed it by at work. We have one at the mall, uh, inside the mall, which is you know. When you go by day. it, does your mouth start watering? I I, I kind of want it, but then I just think, man, every time I eat it. It makes me feel like death. So instead, the other night, I fucking bought a bag of seven-layer dip-flavored combos and a fucking Powerade, and that was my dinner. <laughs> and I felt like shit after that, too. So I, yeah. I just treat myself poorly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so anyway, they... I really dig the first couple scenes with uh, Mickey listening to his music, and it was a you know, cool song, whatever. Um, it, is, you know, it shows him changing out his batteries. Um, one thing I don't like, and I thought maybe they were doing it for comedic effect, but I noticed it a few times in the movie, sound editing is not great. And uh, you're going to forgive a lot in this movie if this is your bag, because the movie had like a five or $6,000 budget. And that's yeah, it's it. a cheapo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the some of the sound effects they do are kind of annoying. Um, he throws the batteries away. like He's sitting on the front porch of this old house, and he throws the batteries away, and when, and when he whips the batteries, it's like, it make, makes this like wind sound when he throws yeah. the batteries, and then he's di- yeah, he's digging in his bag uh, to get um, new batteries, and it's like <laughs> it's making the, it's too loud, and they do that a lot. But there's one scene where it's done well, and I'll get to that in a second. So he's just kind of doing his thing, and uh, all of a sudden you hear his buddy Ben saying, "We gotta go, we gotta go," and uh, he comes out of the house carrying a bat, and uh, they're you know they're leaving in a hurry. Um, so you get kind of, uh, I like the way they do the opening credits then where, you know, they show them kind of going into houses and blah, blah, blah. And this is like their life, but they go downstairs in this basement and there's this one zombie with his fucking arm just tied to a post in the basement, just like hunched over, like looking at them stand there. Um, or poor zombie. Yeah. And, and, you know, apparently you see this a few times with zombies just tied up and maybe it was that, you know. They they don't explain why, but the only thing I could guess is maybe it was like a family member. You know, the person got bit, and instead they couldn't didn't have the heart to just kill somebody because the 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 zombie rule followed in this movie is that when you are bitten, you you know either they, you know, you don't see anybody really turn. They don't have the budget for that, but uh, it's like a virus. They're a zombie. They're they you know they stagger. They don't run. Um, they're not very strong. Uh, they don't break windows. We learned that, <laughs> and which is a pretty neat scene at the end of the movie. But um, they, uh, you know, when you're when you're bitten, that's it. And if you're not devoured, I guess uh, you are. You're going to be bitten. You're going to die. And you're going to be become one of them. 
And that's that's the that's the the Romero the Romero zombie. So, um, but the uh, and you know, it's, which is it's, the only zombie? Um, that's the stuff. only zombie. You cannot have fast zombies. If you do, you're wrong. And not only that, but it is the only zombie except for the zombies, the voodoo zombies that were in zombie movies probably 20, 30 years before Romero. Yeah, even more, yeah. Can't follow that canon, though, because that's what? And they and they could... Uh, I did that one with Bryn on the, on the Hamicus. I forgot the name of that movie. It was pretty good. They had, there was a voodoo zombie in that one. The Bryn. <clears throat> um, He's a zombie. Bryn is a zombie. Bryn's Irish do, zombie. They're Bryn's, different. They're, they're the his, canon for an Irish zombie is definitely different. Bryn's got a big event coming up this weekend. Good luck on that, buddy. The uh, uh, I, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's announced it anywhere. Sphincter wax to, or uh, yes, bleaching. The, the sphincter blinks uh, bling, bleaching. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of which, that Easter egg photo I sent to several people. That was pretty funny with the dude's very clean butthole and the eggs. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> what? Um, so, but yeah, back to the back to the zombies being tied up. The only thing I could guess, and they don't they don't get into it at all. You're you're not you're not given any backstory of this uh, in this movie, and you're not given, you know, really it's a it's a it's a a slice of life. It's these guys across maybe a week or two, and um, but the you know the only thing I could guess maybe is that the person you know maybe the per, their family member was bitten and they didn't have the heart to just shoot them, so they tied them up because they knew it was going to happen just to for. To so they could get away or, or well, whatever. What would you? I mean, would you rather not just? I mean, I don't know. My be, luck would be I'd shoot them and then they'd find a cure the next day. Yeah. But that's kind of like a uh, if you did the uh, your your family members on life support and you pull the plug and then they say, "Hey, we found a cure to cancer." Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. It, it, it'd be hard pulling that trigger. You well, know. that's why it's good not to be close to anybody. It's true. Then you can just Bla- pull the trigger and you don't give a shit. Pull your own trigger, black out the curtains, nobody will ever know. Yeah. Let your dogs eat you. Long, slow, boring death. <laughs> <laughs> um, Life is a flat circle. <sighs> so we, we get uh, we get them kind of doing their their wander. They're, they're just kind of wandering in the in the rural areas of New England. Um, we learn later that they're in Connecticut, but they don't say that at first. They kind of have uh, the perfect life, sort of. Oh yeah, I mean they they've they've moved out here because, and they they kind of do this, and this at times has a feeling like the show Walking Dead, if you've watched that, where um, the zombies are not the. There's the, not like a bazillion of them. I right. mean, you know, you have peace and tranquility for the majority of the time, and then they're they are. Slow enough and not enough of a threat that you can't like just fucking kick ass. So it's kind of a uh, what it mainly not part of the entertainment of uh, living there. But I mean, as long as you don't pin yourself in or put your get yourself up against the wall, yeah, yeah, it's like hey, okay, here they come. Let's fucking kick some ass. You know, the chances of you actually getting. It's like you're Iron Man and they're the mole, or no, you're the thing. And they're the mole man's moloids. Unless you're really stupid, you should be able to just, you know. Or maybe there's like 10,000 moloids. You're the one-man gang, and they are... Uh, they are the mulkies. The mul- yes, like a, a shitload <laughs> of mulkies. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
but it kind of shows them wandering around, and they stop, and you you, you know we we learn that they are, I guess they say professional baseball players. They, I guess, minor league. I don't know. Maybe they're maybe it's an independent league. They don't it really sucks. get into that. But it's like Pittstown. They're the, the Pittstown something. Uh, they both have you know, and they were teammates. Um, Ben, the the guy with the big uh, hillbilly beard. Um, that's that is uh, that he's played by Jeremy Gardner. That's the director of the movie. He plays the catcher. And is he a slacker or a hipster or both? I think this movie's pretty. It's a hipster movie, yeah. honestly. I think it's a, it's a hipster zombie movie, yeah. um, which I think maybe if they if it wasn't as hipster as it was, and the 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 um, the music kind of speaks to being a hipster film like t- style as well. But I think if if I have my biggest complaint of it as far as like thematically would be that I wish they were a little more reverent to baseball. Because I like the touches of baseball stuff they have, but it really seems more like a distraction instead of like what these guys are, instead of their life. And they're professional baseball players. So if, if anybody that follows baseball, you'll, you, you'll, you'll learn eventually that baseball players have very odd habits. And very, they're very superstitious. And I would have liked to have seen more of that. Would it have been better if it was James Earl Jones and Kevin Costner walking around on this shit? That would be cool. Even though, that I've said on the show before, James Earl Jones is not a fan of baseball. That's true. Which is, which, and and, and I, just watching The Sandlot, he's in that too. And I was just, you know, I was like, oh, there he is. He doesn't even like baseball. He's a fan of getting a paycheck. Yeah, I would. I, I he looks I like would. he eats well too. <laughs> fat um, Fucking, fucking fat ass. Uh, so. They should have had him actually play Darth Vader. This for a ton. <laughs> yeah. I like well, James Earl Jones though. I do too. I do too. It's disappointing. He's got a like big baseball, dick. With that, with that, with that voice of his, he at least voice. has giant balls. <laughs> He's got like giant clackers. <laughs> they have to be pumping all kinds of testosterone. Ah. Um. So uh, I, the I really I liked the scene when they're wandering around and they're hitting uh. They're at like a canal or something. It looks like, and uh, uh, Mickey is throwing up rocks for for Ben to just hit with his baseball bat. Ben carries this baseball, this wooden baseball bat around, and he's hitting rocks into the water. Totally made me think of, and I used to get in trouble for it. I had this little Louisville Slugger when I was a kid, and I fucking loved hitting rocks with it, but it ruined the bat because it was always putting little nicks yeah. in it everywhere. Would that be a Louisville Slugger? A Louisville, Louisville, yeah. Because everybody slugger. always says Louisville. But nobody there says Louisville. What does so, what does Sammy say? Louisville. What does Cornette? What does Cornette say? Does he say Louisville or does he say Louisville? Louisville? I don't even. know. I think he says Louisville, but he. Now, in and I grew up in Louisville, hmm. which is L E W. Um. Anyway, yeah, I ruined that fucking bat, and I, I, my parents are pretty cheap. I never had a lot of stuff. I still have the baseball glove from when I was a teenager. If that says anything, I should go. I should get a new one. This it doesn't really fit me anymore. Um, but uh, the I, 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 you know, I ruined that bat hitting rocks. But my dad brought home this uh, big gold, not gold. It was more, it was more like bronze color because it was old. I don't know where he got it. But it was a big gold aluminum softball bat. That thing was gigantic, but it was so lightweight. <laughs> and I could fucking wail on the rocks with that one, and they never 
messed up that bat. I hate that sound though. Yeah, like, the, the aluminum bat sounds that terrible. Ping. Ping Ugh. sounds terrible. The the wooden bat sound is hard to recreate. The ping is terrible. Yeah. Hard and they're dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, there's so much you can hit the goddamn balls so hard and I saw know. um well the this I had this little it was a base well, it was the size of a baseball but really it was made out of like foam rubber. It was very bouncy. Man, I could fucking hit that like major league home run distance with that softball bat. It was amazing because we had that we had a pasture. We had horses growing up. But by the time I was like 13, 14, we had got rid of them and torn down the fence. So all we had was this giant field in our backyard. There were the Fields of dreams. And I could hit that ball. I swear it was 300, 400 feet. It was amazing. Like, cause I, it took, <laughs> and I didn't have friends to play with. So I just hit it by myself. And then <laughs> <after>. <laughs> That's my life now. Be glad you didn't have friends. Um, the, um, but they, just you know, calling you up like out of nowhere and say, Hey, can you help me move? <laughs> It's going to be soon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Turn my phone on. <laughs> I'm going to have to hire a mover. I don't think I, I honestly don't think I know anybody enough to ask them to help me move. It sucks. Um, but the, um, you know, back to them getting distracted with baseball. Mickey, you, you, you get an idea early that Mickey's kind of, um, he is a, he's very sensitive. He, you know, he's very introspective. He's 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 stuck in his head a lot. Um, it's a borderline creepy at times, but he uh, he's stuck in his own head. Um, they go to his old girlfriend's house, and he like, you know, he's going through her room and stuff. He takes a picture of her. He steals some. Of, well, I think it's not really stealing. She's not there. Um, but takes her old underwear and uh, <laughs> and some of her perfume and like hides it um, so he can sniff it. And 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 he is the emotional pitcher. He he is the that was his role in on the team. That was his position. Then you have Ben, who is kind of a slob. Um, he's he is the more uh, logical of the two. Um, he's he's well, kind of. He is an asshole. <laughs> he's a real jerk to Mickey a lot of the time, but he's very aggressive. And he's always searching for the next tool. He's always like he's the, at the front of the the line of them uh, looking for the next, you know, the supplies that sort of thing. But uh, he's always shit talking Mickey, and like he's he's having Mickey pitch for him when the, you know one night. Which this is the other sound thing that I liked was the pop of his mitt. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in the woods. And the, the sound editing is really good here because it's almost like a gunshot. So um, Mickey's throwing the pitch, and it's like it hits Ben's mitt, and it's like, and it like echoes through the woods. It's a great sound. I mean, and stuff like I love seeing guys play catch in movies and stuff. It's just it's a, it's a very nostalgic kind of kind of thing. But did you ever say to your dad like Kevin Costner? You know, can, can we go have, have catch, a ca- go have a catch? Well, they you know what they said it in uh, they said it in. Sandlot too with Dennis Leary when he said, "Can we go have a catch? Can you keep you teach me how to play, uh, or teach me how to catch?" The dad hit him across the face with his belt. Said, "Leave me alone. I'm watching TV." Pretty much. Oh, wait, that was uh, me, what? not the movie. Um, the uh, the 
Uh, but I, I like Ben's uh, like shit talking to. Uh, he's like, you know, throw it here, throw it here. None of that fifty-seven foot slider bullshit. I don't. I'm not wearing a cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jeez. Um, There'd be nothing worse than being a goddamn zombie apocalypse and get hit in the balls, and you could barely run, and your nuts swell up like real big. Oh my god! Yeah, and they they talked about. Uh, you know, he's like, you know, in. Uh, I think he said in the Dominican Republic they never teach kids the slider or breaking pitches. They teach them the changeup, and he throws a pitch and and Ben's like, "Was that your changeup?" <laughs> and uh, and then he throws another one. And he's like, "One pitch, you're a one pitch bitch." And uh, you know, and he throws that one pitch in. He's like, "And that's the big pop that you hear that echoes." He's like, "But it's a damn, it's a damn beautiful one." You know that one pitch he has. And you learn later on that Mickey is actually a relief pitcher, and there's actually a lot of relief pitchers that you know. It's one pitch. I mean, they, that's what they're doing. He brings there for. the heat. He brings the heat. So, um, but what was neat about their relationship, which is this goes back to the baseball thing. This is the biggest baseball thing in it. it I've, not, I've never played professional baseball, obviously, but whenever you see it in films, the pitcher and catcher relationship comes to the forefront a lot of times in these films. And it's always, well, you know, you know like with Bull Durham where you have the stuck-in-his-head pitcher, and it's the catcher, the grounded catcher's job. And you see it in the next movie, Major League also, even though that's a comedy. But that's kind of the thing, not so much in the one I watched with the not um, bang the drum slowly. Still kind of the same thing, where you got the the more level-headed, kind of simple catcher and the more complex uh, character of the pitcher. Uh. <laughs> so and then in this case too it's, it it goes back to that same that same uh trope in baseball films is that Mickey is the sensitive guy and and Ben is there to keep his head on straight in a way which I that's I think that's my favorite part of this um which makes it more like a baseball movie than it might seem on the surface yeah. but I think it might be one of those things where you need to probably be a fan of baseball films or at least be versed in them at least a little bit to to see that or to know that maybe that's what they're getting at maybe that's it's like how at. i keep you grounded yeah exactly because You're i'm a complex a, sensitive i'm a guy. complex whiny asshole yeah <laughs> um not all the time but they uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah just sometimes the um <laughs> the uh, <laughs> Play. They kind of go through their they go through their moments of uh, t- tension, uh, getting along. Um, you get them. Well, you'd have to get on each other's nerves after a while. Well, yeah, and yeah, you kind of you kind of learn through their conversation. Like yeah, their past, like where they came from, where you know their situation before, why Ben wants to keep moving, and I don't want to give any of this stuff away, you know, and. Uh, but it's not giving anything away to say that Mickey is, you know, he's wanting to find somewhere to stop. He's tired of the travel. He's tired of the road. And Ben just wants to keep moving. Yeah. He kind of is enjoying himself sort of. Yeah. Um, it's like, a, not, I don't, it's kind of like a game, but I mean, it's like being a, a kind of a slacker kind of a guy. He's like, well, hell, you know what? This is, this isn't bad. Oh, hell we we're just out here having fun and, we can do whatever we want. We stop at a house. We can just go in and do whatever we want, you know. And and um, Mickey is Mickey always wants to stay. He's a he's a rooter. He, yeah, he he wants to put down roots. Yeah. 
And um, you get a, you get a, about halfway through, we get this uh, a storyline where they make contact with somebody else through through a certain way. And this becomes Mickey's obsession, and this is kind of the driving force for the for the second half of the film. After we've established their, you know, they're wandering, we've established their relationship. Um, we get a really, you know, well, we get the one one fucked up scene where he's where Ben's trying to teach Mickey a lesson uh, by kind yeah, of yeah, that spring, was fucked up, bringing a surprise on him. Then yeah. you, we got the other one I posted an image of, and this might be one of the most messed up things I've ever seen. In a yeah. zombie film, <laughs> yeah, but you know what? It, it kind of fits Mickey's character. Yeah, I don't want to give away what happens, but <laughs> when you watch the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. He's, we'll just say he's a he's a lonely guy, certainly. Well, uh, not giving anything away, but uh, let's just say, in the similar situation, what would you? Uh, I, would you or wouldn't you? I probably would not because I would I would be scared of uh, being Stank. too vulnerable, of getting like of having my private area broken into. Mm-hmm. With you know in a in such a in such a uh, delicate situation, it'd be hard to make a proper escape, because Mickey is not Mickey does not want to kill zombies. Yeah, Ben, ben the whole movie is trying to get him to just take a baseball bat and just beat zombies because Ben enjoys it. And he's like, you know, that's our fucking job as humans. And it's, and they have a conversation later on about what to call them. And they're trying to, he's trying to, Mickey's trying not to say zombies. He's like, they're fucking zombies, you know? Um, yeah. He's just like, uh, uh, Ben is like, it's like a video game thing. He's just kind of, you know, going yeah. around bashing people. And like you said, it's kind of like he's enjoying his, Freeman, he's a teabagger. He he likes the apocalypse. <laughs> well, he embraces it because then he does, there's no rules and you just you know. I kind of liked him when he uh, they show him like he's going like woo woo and he's totally naked under this cold waterfall. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, the I'm trying to figure out how to break, how to talk about this the the last like twenty minutes of the film. It's. The last 20 months of the film are very claustrophobic. Um, for their evidence that it's a hipster movie, they, their car in the movie is a Volvo station wagon. But the... Um, and I don't know if maybe that's a New England thing. It's certainly, uh, at least here when I was in college, having a Volvo station wagon was definitely a hipster thing. But... Um, They're very safe. They are, yes, they are very safe. Maybe that's the joke. Um but basically they get you know they finally get stuck in a certain situation and i thought it was pretty i don't know it, it, it i don't know that it completely worked i i liked it um it was brave to do what they did yeah um at least as a, from a filmmaking standpoint um because if not done right which, like I said, I don't know that it was done right, but if not done at least somewhat right, which it was, it would have it could have ruined the end of the film. But I think it was done well. This uh, I, I like the way it wraps up. I don't want, like I said, I don't want to give away like what exactly happens or what exactly is going on in this situation. But uh, is there anything you wanted to throw in here? I don't want to like. I, 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 it's hard to talk about the end of it without giving away what I don't want to give away. Yeah, it's but I I like um 
like you said, it's I like the concept, and it's a low budget movie that, and these guys, you know, I uh, you know, give them props for you know putting this together and everything. Sure. And, um, There's a great scene. Another one, like back, I guess, homage to baseball, and that reminds me of hitting the rocks in the orchard. Uh, when they find the, all the apples, and they there's it's a, it's a it's a montage essentially with some music playing, but they're like eating apples, they're hitting apples with baseballs, they're they're playing catch with apples, they're playing dodgeball with apples. Um, it looked pretty fun. They, you know, they're just they're pra- they're just kind of being guys. They're they're napping in the grass. They got their their uh, team hats like over their faces. It, it, that was a nice moment. Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, I, you covered it pretty well because, like you said, there's so much of it that or they. they there's a f- final chapter of it that I don't even want to, you know, you don't want to give away what happens yeah, and what's yeah, yeah. going on. Um, but I always like in these movies where it, the people are, it just seems like they're out there and the only people they see are zombies. And it's almost like the Vincent Price or movie or Charlton Heston, the Omega man where, you know, are yeah, we the yeah. last people last on, on earth? earth? And then how they react to that and, or to when they find out that maybe not. Yeah. And then see back to going back to the walking dead thing. I, that's not a show that I've, I've only watched the first like five episodes of that, of that show. I don't, I don't know why I never got into it all that much. But the comic book I thought was phenomenal. I really liked mm-hmm. that. And in the comic book, you get moments, you get touches of tension when somebody's trying to avoid zombies in some way or blah, blah, blah. But the zombie moves that are done well, and everybody says this, that the zombie moves that are done well are the kinds that show the zombies are the driving force and the 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 theme of the story is either the human relationship or the the survival the the like post apocalyptic like where are we going what are we going to do next kind of moments as opposed to you know let's kill zombies and let's show gore and that stuff like that and then there's a place for that but the better ones are the ones that you know maybe the you know it shows mostly the people and the zombies are just you know they're there but they're the they're they're in the background they're waiting but it's not that's not the. It's the, not just all about that. It's right. yeah, more and, kind and, of a character study and well, yeah, how it, it, the I, I liked the the that these two guys were different. That one of them is like you know okay maybe this was it's sucky at first and then we got used to it but now you know I just want to have a home yeah and and um. But Ben, it's like it's like the uh, he there's they have set up these certain rules, and one of the rules is you can't stop. If you yeah. stop, you're you're just you're, you're leaving dead. yourself. Yeah, because then they can. Well, we can we can mention that the reason the reason he doesn't want to stop is because they got stuck in a house. Yeah, that's how they got started. For three months, they were inside, and, and you know, like the the Romero movie, like Night of the Living Dead. They they experienced a, a a three month being completely trapped before they figured out a way to escape the house, yeah. and that's a that's a throwback in the movie too. You you see you as long learn. as you keep moving, you can't get you, yeah, you can't yeah. get pinned in because. It, but 
the guys are opposites, and it's funny because Ben is one of these guys. I think that if he would be by himself, he would not even miss a beat because he kind of entertains himself. <laughs> He's one of these guys that you definitely that he would definitely get on your fucking nerves. Yeah. But he's not doing it maliciously. He's just, you know, that's how he deals with shit. Plus that's just the kind of guy he is. Mm-hmm. But I liked it and I think and I never it's not one of these ones that I ever felt like uh you know, scared like the no, tense it's not that kind of movie. I'm like, ooh, you know, jump scares and shit like that. Not really. It does have some nice boobs on it. Yes. In which you did post a picture. But anyway, yeah. I think I just lost you a little bit. Um, we can, while well, I try to get Zom back. Um, there you are. I just you are. You're, what? Oh, I had my hands behind my head and my fingers slipped or something. Uh, Whatever. Doesn't matter. We can get our ratings here. Um, I, I was... Uh, I don't know. I said you said that you liked it. Um, yeah. I think I might have still been surprised by it. Uh, with a six thousand dollar zombie movie, you expect some. I've seen some turds, and this is not a turd at all. Um, it's a it's a solid little movie. Um, the uh, the 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 indie feel of it might kind of rub some people the wrong way. The hipstery kind of feel of it, but um, I had fun with it. I give it like a I don't know seven point two five. It was a nice solid little movie. I'd watch it again. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that rating. It's not great, but yeah. it's uh, for a first watch. It's got a cool. Con- it's got an interesting concept. The only thing that now, what do you think about the whole zombie genre? Is it played out? It yeah, it is. I mean, there the zombie genre is one that's easy to yeah. uh, to do, like to I don't know to make um, because the makeup is cheap. Um, and the basic story, if you take the, if you take the, the night of the living dead formula, it's easy to reproduce. So I think a lot of people like kind of start with it when they wanted to get into horror, but man, there's some fucking junk in yeah. zombie. I mean, there's, there's, there's multiple with the zombie, uh, stuff out there. There's multiple movies a year that still get made like ones that, you know, direct video kind of stuff. And a lot of them just they're they're boring. Oh um, yeah, that's the worst thing. The the one that I can think of that maybe even had a higher budget was the um, not Dawn. It was because I watched Day of the Dead recently. The day they remade Day of the Dead in two thousand eight with Mina Savari and fucking Nick Cannon. And uh, Ving Rhames was in it. This thing was a piece of shit. It was really bad. That's the one I could think of recently that I'd seen. Ugh. Oh, I saw that. I yeah. saw that. Yeah, that was a turd. turd. But um, but yeah, this one, this one's definitely uh, it's got its heart in the right place. Um, this is Jeremy Gardner's the director Ben Bearded Ben, his first writing and directing of a movie. So yeah. maybe his last. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> But uh, it was fun. It's a it's a it's a six thousand dollar movie. It feels like it, but it's it's it was a good one. So cool. Let's take a break. You can do worse. You can definitely do worse. Definitely in zombie zombie genre, you can definitely do worse. Uh, let's take a break and come back and talk about Major League Wild Thing. We'll be right back. Yeah. 
Son, it's time we have a talk. About what, Dad? Well, son, pretty soon you'll want to look at naked girls. Some movies have lots of naked girls and things that make you feel strange. Mm, like Sasha Gray videos? <laughs> oh, you've got to start off slow, son. Save the triple penetration gangbangs for when you get old and miserable. Savor the sight of bare breasts from a bygone era before they were a Google away. Supper time, you two. And remember, no incestuous ruffies or rapey pink films until after dinner. (laughs) (laughs) The Trashy Trio, covering Euro sleaze, Japanese pink films, American ruffies, or any other sordid entertainment that comes their way. The Trashy Trio, a podcast to listen to while alone. With headphones on. Probably in your closet. Under some covers. I almost impulsively went online and bought a uh, Wild Thing t-shirt after watching this this time. (laughs) I might still do it anyway. All right. uh, Major League 1989. Um, The new owner of the Cleveland Indians puts together a purposely horrible team. So they'll lose and she can move the team. But when the plot is uncovered, they start winning just to spite her. Fuck. Fuck them. Um, yeah, the, I'd rather move to fucking uh, Florida. Miami. This is So this is obviously before the Marlins were a thing. And this is obviously before the, uh, the Indians won the American League Central three years in a row and went to the World Series once in the late 90s. Only yeah. to lose to possibly Miami. Did they, lose, did they lose to the Marlins? Fuck, I can't remember In 97? I, I think Jared they did. Wright pitching. I, th- I think they... And what was the name of the... What was the dude's name that used to pitch for the Cubs and the Phillies that was named Wild Thing for real? Mitch, Mitch something? Uh, Mitch... I can't remember. Wild Thing... Mitch Williams. Yeah, Mitchie was, Williams. I fucking hated watching him pitch. He was really annoying the way he would fall over all the time. He, <laughs> he had that stupid curly mullet. God, he was bad. <laughs> Mulay. Uh, so, um, Major League, yeah, Zom, I yeah. think you just watched this. What do you think well, of old Berger and Sheen and Bernson and all these other people? Everybody. Um, well, first of all, um, saw this in the theater when it came out. Nice, nice. And it was a huge hit. I, yes. I, I, I think it was a huge hit. I remember it being everybody liked it. Um, I was surprised when I watched it this time that um, – because I just forgot or didn't give a shit that it is a rated R movie. I don't. I'm not sure why. Well, do you know why? Why is it rated R? Because I mean, I get it has to be just because of language. They don't show nudity, but they say, yeah because they, I'm you they know they say fuck like they say they say fuck probably forty times. Yeah, they do say fuck. Um, the uh, 
1997 World Series, the Florida Marlins oddly did beat the Cleveland Indians and then dismantled their entire team the very next year. Yeah, like that. Well, they did they've done that twice now. Yeah. Yeah. Um but anyway, enough of this baseball talk. Let's get to Major League. Uh, this is um, when Charlie Sheen was still riding high before he became like a really embarrassing, uh, old, ugly fucking goof. With st- This is when he still had cool hair, too. That fucking Man, hairdo he has in this is pretty remarkable, I gotta yeah, say. Yeah, he has this big shock of hair, you know. It's like when he was in Wall Street and he would like comb it slick it back and everything but it it looks good you know and now oh my first of all he looks like an old ugly woman and he he has his hair like even when he was on that two and a half men he has this haircut that i think he thinks it makes him look young but it just looks stupid he's such a fucking douche man um he's the one that like in the melius um documentary is like you know melius came up and he said I want my dream is to drop fire from the sky on children. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, fucking cool or something like that. And I'm like, no, you're a douche. And he's a douche. You are a fucking goof. <laughs> I mean, I liked her when he was in Platoon, when he was in Wall Street, when he was mm-hmm. in this. Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, up and coming and he was cool. Well, he turned into a fucking goof. Uh, now, <laughs> Tom Berenger, I've always liked Tom Berenger. Uh, he was great in Platoon with Charlie Sheen. So this is a a, re- a reunion. Get, reunion. Um, I liked him in Dogs of War. He was great in that. He's he's a uh, sniper. The, su- the substitute. Tom Berenger is a legend. Uh, was he, he was, substi- was that him the substitute? Yes, hmm. and the first substitute. And he was great in The Big Chill. Uh, where he kind of played like Tom Selleck. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, Eddie and the so Cruisers. Anyway, Eddie and the fucking Cruisers. He was Word Man. Yeah. You know, Jesus Christ, Tom Berenger. Hey, boy, he's fat and old oh, now. What's Ooh. that one that he was in with uh, with uh, fucking Lando? Who? <sighs> Lando Calrissian. Uh, something City. It's an Abel Ferrara. Abel Ferrara movie. Yeah. And, I haven't uh, seen Melody Griffith naked. Fear, Fear City. Fear City, that is a legendary movie. That movie is so fucking good. I want to go dig it out of the basement after we get <laughs> off here and watch it. It was so good. A sleazy. Yeah, sleazy. Um, so anyway, uh, if I say something, so anyway, one more time. <laughs> so, that's, so, that's how, that's how so. I cope. Um, <laughs> Tourette syndrome and uh, obsessive compulsive behavior. Renee Russo, yay or nay? Yay. Yeah. That's too. When she was in, um, okay, when she was in, Thomas Crown Affair, and Yay. she's laying there topless, sunbathing. Yay! Yay. She Yay. got a nice body. She's she kind of looks like Catherine Hepburn in the face. She's a little bony in the face. Yeah, but still, shit. Yeah, can't be can't be too choosy now. She's got a puss hole. <laughs> she's skinny. And, and no huge gunt. Ah, um, gunt. Gunt. Uh, but uh, <laughs> she's got a puss hole. She does indeed. She does. She has a mouth. She has a puss hole, and I assume she has a butthole and two hands. She's got some boobs. Sweet Josie Brown Ale. She's got nice hair. It. Like she's got the kind of hair that the thick, uh, wavy kind of curly hair that I like to get my fingers in and shake like a, a Saint Bernard. Um, when you grab them by the ears. <clears throat> um, <laughs> so th- this 
Broad is a. I totally messed up your train of thought. I'm sorry. So Tom Berenger. No, Char- no, no. Charlie My Sheen. train of thought is spot on. This okay, lady is a. Uh, she married a rich dude, and of course he died. So she oh, was. You talk, she, okay, so you're talking yeah. about Margaret. I'm on point, Whitten, motherfucker. Whitten. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she married a rich dude, and he died, and she was a showgirl. So she was probably a hoe and everything. Not that all showgirls are hoes, because Elvira was a showgirl, and first guy she ever fucked was Tom Jones. She had to go to the hospital and get stitches, but that's beyond the point. Uh, he's got a huge <laughs> response. Uh, he's TJ, <laughs> and uh, so she ends up being the owner of this baseball team, and it kind of, that's kind of like what happened to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Georgia Frontieri or whatever married this old fucking dude and she was this model or whatever. I can't remember what she was, but she ended up owning the Los Angeles Rams. Well, this chick ends up owning the Cleveland Indians and she has really no interest in baseball. Uh, It's kind of like a business thing and she just fell into it, but she's a bitch. And she, (laughs) she says, you know, I hate Cleveland, which, you know, I'm not I mean, I'm sure there's people maybe. Out of I've never, three. I've never been to Cleveland. I have I, been to Cleveland. <laughs> I, I, I'll say I've not heard the greatest things about Cleveland. Yeah, um, I have family that live up there and in that area, the suburbs and stuff. And uh, this company that I worked for's main office was up there, so I had to go up there a few times. I, you know, whatever. Um, Cleveland. Uh, I grew up like a lot of the people in my family. Uh, the two our two teams were Pittsburgh Pirates, which like because that's where I live now. I live yeah. an hour and a half from Pittsburgh. That's the local team, but also the Cleveland Indians because I had family that lived in Cleveland. So now, we, the so the the Indians they say in this movie still have not won the World Series since 1948, right, and, still uh, and they hadn't even been to the playoffs in 40 years in this movie. But they had been after, you know now they have. But when's the last time the Pirates won the World Series? Do you know? Uh, they won when Willie Stargell was there. Let's 70s see. sometime? They won in the 60s, and they won in... Okay, they won when Mazeroski was there in, I think, the... can't remember what year it was, in the 60s. Then they won when uh, Clemente was there, and oh, they then won they won 79. again... Yeah, when Willie Stargell and them were there with the We Are family, you know the stars oh, on the, the stars in their hats and everything. Yeah, they wore the old school uh, uh, hats. The the camera they look like old uh, Abner Doubleday hats. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to the crappy like uh, softball uniforms. Uh, were, uh, those were bad. Yeah. So back to the crappy she, Indians. <laughs> she decides that she is going to. Um, the only way they have a contract with the city of Cleveland. Uh, that the, that they'll stay there and blah 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 blah. But the only way that they can uh, move the team, which she wants to, and she has a buyer in or not a buyer because she is the owner. But uh, uh, this a deal a deal Miami. in place to yeah to build a stadium, a sixty three thousand seat stadium in Miami. Right, and so she's like, "Fuck yeah, let's go there." Now they want to assemble a shitty team, the shittiest team they can, so they'll come in last place, and attendance will be horrible. And if it goes below a certain point, then the yeah. league will let them move. 800,000, I think they said. Yeah. So um, they assemble this team, which is funny. It's, uh, they're like old either has-beens or never was-beens. And Willie Mays Hayes didn't, is like – he doesn't even get uh, – <laughs> He's uh, never been anywhere. Fight. 
Yeah, he's never done anything, which is Wesley Snipes. Now, this is cool because this is Wesley Snipes before he became, uh, you know, got on steroids and became a faux karate master action star, which I like <laughs> him as that. But yeah, I'm yeah. just saying he was he was pretty funny back back in in these days. Um, you have Corbin Burnson, who was pretty big on L.A. Law, which was a big show. And not only that, but the one thing I like about this is um, Charlie Sheen actually played baseball. You know what? This is his first uh, like big role in a movie. I think. Like, let's see. He played. He was in Charlie a movie Sheen. called Wildcats. No, uh, uh, Wesley Snipes. He was in a movie called What's Wildcats in '86, and another one called Gold Streets Con. of Gold. But I don't was he big in it though? Like I don't he's not doesn't look very high on the credits list. Nah, Woody Harrelson and uh, it was him and Woody Harrelson and Goldie Hawn. He might have been high up in Streets of Gold, which is it a, was a football movie, high school football. Streets of Gold looks like a I don't know what this movie's about. But this yeah. fucking definitely he he uh, he is on you know showcases his talents in this. Yeah, he's funny. Now. Um, Corbin Burnson and Charlie Sheen, at least those two. Now, I don't know about anybody else, uh, played baseball like in high school, maybe college. I don't know. But, I mean, they look believable. Especially Charlie Sheen looks believable pitching because he was a pitcher one time. And um, Yeah, he does. I, I, I noticed that because they, they don't um, – I was watching uh, – God, which one was it I was watching? And somebody threw something. I was like, man, that looked like shit. Actually, one of the guys in this movie didn't look very good throwing. Uh, was it James Gammon? The the guy that was supposed guy. to be the supposed to be no James Gammon was the coach. Uh, yeah, the one that's supposed to be like Gaylord Perry. Yeah, that's who he reminded me of with all the fucking uh, grease and all that shit. Definitely. So, <laughs> I was listening to the game last night, the uh, Red Sox Yankees game, and that when they caught the dude with uh, pine tar in his yeah. neck. And the guys, um, the the Red Sox announcers were talking about all the. They just for like three innings, they were talking about people that had gotten, you know, that were famous for doctoring baseballs. And Gaylord Perry came up a few times, and the uh, the funniest one they talked about was Gaylord Perry's puffball. <laughs> the puffball was a um, like powder or something on it, or it was like it was. Uh, let's see, I'm gonna look it up and give a good description of it. Basically, he was using. Um, uh, the 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 rosin. Um, yeah. Let me see. Let me read his quote about it. Puffball. Um, my favorite trick pitch uh, was the old puffball. This is a, this is a, somebody write, writing about him. My old favorite trick pitch of his was the old puffball, where he would load up on rosin so that a puff of white smoke would release when he threw his pitches. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, all right this was made illegal somewhere along the way because of perry of course but it's so awesome <laughs> it's like the sort of thing one of the villains in the old batman tv show would do. Puff ball. that's like when you put too much gold bond medicated powder on your nuts <laughs> you know and the girl and gets down there and it's like poof Oh man, but that yeah, this guy, this guy in this movie i would i need to try to find his quote um because he's talking, he's telling him about you know what he needs to do. Um, Vagisil, what is it? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, va- like he says, what are you putting on? He's like Vagisil. Any one of them will give you two or three inches drop on your curveball. But he's like talking about all the stuff he wipes on himself. He's got shit everywhere, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's funny. But he, the, the one thing about that is that when they do show him pitching, they don't like. Uh, show his full motion. They usually just they hide kinda, him well. Yeah, you yeah. They come in close and 
and so you don't see it. But there were, you know, I remember when the Braves, uh, when Ted Turner owned them and they were on TV a lot, they would they were picking up like old pitchers like that, Gaylord Perry, Phil Negro, Terry Forrester, I mean, uh, Al Raboski. They, they, anybody that was like available and that was almost washed up, they would pick up. They had Bruce Suter toward the end of his career, oh, yeah. lots of guys like that. And, um, but it's, it's kind of cool. Um, I love the guy that plays the coach or the, I'm not the coach, the he, manager. Yeah. He's funny. He, that was James the guy Gammon. who I just named. Yeah. He's really funny. His voice is just, he's like, son, what are you, you know, he's just got this <laughs> fucking deep gravelly voice and this giant bushy mustache. He was great. Um, now Corbin Burnson is a prima donna. Yeah. He's a holdover from the the team. Like they pretty much got rid of everybody else, but his contract they couldn't get rid of him. And he was like a really good player, but he's become such a, a like a he's into business and everything, and he doesn't give a shit about baseball. He's like into the stock market and stuff. And yeah, and he and he refuses to play hard because he doesn't want to get hurt yeah. because he's ready to retire. He won't get down like he plays third base and he won't get down on the ball. He he just kind of tries to snag it with his glove and usually misses it and stuff. But it's cool when they um when they uh they set up everything by calling the guys and like they don't even believe it. Like Behringer's like, who the fuck is you know? Why'd you wake me up? It just hangs up. It's like he's his a, life. He's dream. in a, a sleazy Mexican hotel with a yeah. fucking with a prostitute and like a chicken running around on the floor. <laughs> And Sheen, I like Sheen when they call him and he's like, uh, I'm not going to sure. I'm not sure they yeah. uh, invite him to camp. He's not sure he's going to make it. And they pan out and he's in prison. <laughs> but he, uh, <laughs> they, they, uh, then, then when they all show up, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because, um, when, uh, Wesley Snipe shows up, you have Burnson show up in this goddamn fancy ass, like, a old school, it looks like a, I don't know what kind of car it was, but it's something really super expensive because he has a nice contract. But then Willie Mays Hayes, who is Wesley Snipes, shows up, and it's a VW with like a Rolls-Royce front end. It's a total <laughs> piece of shit. Yeah, it's a VW bug. It's got a Rolls-Royce grill on and like on top of the hood and these fucking giant wheels on <laughs> And I love what he says. He goes, get ready. I'm going to put on a hitting display. And they're like, who the fuck even is this guy? And we didn't even invite him. And when he does his hitting display, I swear to God, he gets up there and he goes through all these gyrations and everything. And he looks great. I mean, his uniform's impeccable. He has like these uh, uh, white and black uh, wingtip fucking cleats or something. They're ponies. Everybody's got like, everybody's yeah. got like g- generic black shoes and his, his ponies are almost all white, but they look like wingtip, like uh Yakuza or, 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 uh, yeah. or but when he gets or up there, shoes. when he gets in the batter's cage, he goes through all this shit and you're thinking, okay, man, you know, he's going to, he's going to be impressive. And every time he hits the ball, it just goes straight up and hits the roof of the net. It doesn't even leave the fucking uh, cage. And he has and that perfect like, little like, Oh, Oh, like yeah. he's like, whoops. Oh, well, the, Lou Brown, the manager is, uh, they said he managed the Toledo mud hens for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually, you know, is an old, old vet. So, I mean, he knows his job. And so, and he knows how to, um, spot talent and how to break guys of doing stupid shit. So he has these little things like every time Willie Mays Hayes, he says, every time you hit a fucking ball in the air, you're, you're fast as hell. 
uh, running. So you need to, you know, hit use it on that the ground every time. Every time. And he says, if you hit the fucking ball in the air, you got to do 20 push ups. So even in the middle of fucking like spring training at bat, if he does that, he drops down and does like 20 push ups. And he's like, <laughs> God damn, you know. Um, Berenger plays a, he had been to the major leagues before and he was really good, but he's a catcher. And, you know, from, I assume from squatting down constantly. Yeah, they get bad knees. They get bad knees, and so that kind of ruined him. So he was just kind of milling around the Mexican League, and um, he gets called back up, and and he this is his last chance, old vet, and he's kind of like uh, trying to not sell the fact that his knees are killing him because the Lou is like, you know, how's the knees? And he says, oh, great, yeah, you're not bullshitting me, are you? You know? And uh, he is, of course. Um, <laughs> so you have the Willie Mays Hayes. You have, uh, oh, goddamn, when uh, fucking, uh, was it Serrano? Serrano the, was the voodoo guy. When he first shows up, like when they're all showing up in the parking lot and the coaches and managers are standing there watching the guys show up, when he shows up, he's this huge, is he the guy that does the commercial that has, you know, he's got the voices like, uh, he was on that show. Serrano. I don't know if they're like Navy De- SEALs Dennis or whatever. Dennis Haysbert is his name. He's got this great voice, real deep voice. Oh, and, shit, that is him. Yeah. He looks, a, he looks a lot different. And he shows up, but the thing is, he's got black pants on, black shoes, a trench, black trench coat, and he's got no shirt on, and these big black sunglasses, and it's like he's the most fucking intimidating-looking <laughs> motherfucker. Then in the locker room, he's he's got all this voodoo shit, but that, was, that shit's funny. The voodoo shit's funny, yeah. but... The one thing that I thought was really funny is he just he'll be like sitting there doing curls with an Olympic bar and nothing but his jock strap. <laughs> He's <laughs> got like funny. this black jock strap and he just stands there. And when the the female owner comes in, I like when she just like walks around and like smacks his ass or smacks, whatever. <laughs> she's just standing there like looking him up and down, and then smacks his ass. And uh, when she comes in there and Luke uh, comes out of the shower and he's, he's, you know, old and fat, he's completely naked. And she goes, shouldn't you put a towel on or something? He goes, I'm too tired to run in the shower and I'm too goddamn, you know, old to be embarrassed. And so he just stands there talking to her with his dick out, uh, which is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> I never understood. Uh, well, I guess I understand, like, if a woman comes in the locker room, you know trying to cover yourself up, but I'd just be like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, he was, that was his thing. He said, uh, he's like, we're out of towels, and I'm too old to go diving into lockers. Yeah. She she just starts, um, she's trying to make them worse and worse and make them lose and make them disgruntled so they won't give a shit. So they, they uh, take away their jet, you know, that they fly on and put them on this old shitty prop airplane, which <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes, I didn't notice this until I watched it this time. He's sitting in this seat on this shitty airplane and the seat has like duct tape wrapped around the top <laughs> yeah. of it to hold the sponge shit in. And they're like reading these old crappy comic books. <laughs> like, like fucking Baron classic, well, Classics Illustrated. Yeah, they're trading they, classics illustrated comic books. They throw in the, uh, like a love interest thing between Behringer and Rene Russo, which it didn't hurt it to me. The only thing that I didn't like about that, I thought it was stupid a couple times where nobody in this world that they live in must lock their doors because (laughs) Behringer follows her to her house, what he thinks is her house. Now, I could see this happening because he thought he was just getting on the elevator and going to her floor 
Yeah. But this is a real fancy place, and the elevator goes right to the person's – it opens. It's the person's front door. As soon as the elevator door opens, you're in their apartment. And he's in uh, this guy's apartment who is her soon-to-be – it's her fiancé. Yeah. And they have – her and Berenger have a past, um, which is kind of, you know – like I said, they could have dumped that, but it does add to the story. It doesn't really take away from it that much. Yeah, the, it's the it's the it's the Bull Durham, yeah. Susan Sarandon and Kevin Costner kind of. Although she wasn't as big of a hoe as Susan Sarandon. I fucking I love Susan Sarandon in that damn movie. <laughs> she was a fucking weirdo. She was a groupie fucking. If she was a in gr- wrestling, she would have been a rat. A gr- okay, let me tell you, I've been to see the Durham Bulls quite a few times. She never shows up. She's never shown up once, but I can't imagine the kind of people that would actually hang around Durham Bulls Park. <laughs> yeah, and be a groupie to, to, to the Durham Bulls. Hey, yeah, there's no houses within walking distance that would be decent, by the way, to yeah. Durham Bulls Park. Um, but yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like it's not this quaint southern town. It's it's it's, it's industrial, like, like a lucky strike old industrial area. <laughs> well, um, I like the locker room scenes. Mm-hmm. I like the interaction between uh, Serrano and the Gaylord Perry guy because he's like a big Christian. And I also loved when uh, I think they were on the airplane and um, he's always busting Serrano's nuts about Jesus Christ. And he <laughs> and he says something like uh, the, the, there's a lightning storm. And they're flying through it on this twin prop piece of shit plane, and the lightning's coming like right down around the plane, and everybody's like crossing themselves and like scared to death. Serrano fucking crosses himself, and that guy who plays um, it's Eddie Harris, uh, Chelsea Ross is the guy that plays him, the Gaylord Perry guy. He looks over and he goes, uh, "It's not going to do you any. It's not going to do you any good now, or something like that." And he knows. He's, he said he knows, like, I'm talking about Jesus, but the whole time he's saying that he's reading a Hustler magazine, which yeah. I think pretty fucking funny. Um, <laughs> and Joe Boo was pretty fucking funny. Uh, the voodoo guy who has a big fucking uh, reefer in his mouth. <laughs> big, I guess that was a, I thought it was a marijuana. Was I don't a, know. It might have been, yeah, who, I, they didn't say. It was I, a, it, if it was, if it was a cigarette, than it definitely was hand. I think, I think I thought it was a cigar, but he he. Uh, it was funny when they first introduced him because they when they first introduce all the players and you see like oh you know he's shitty he's shitty and he comes up to bat and the guy throws him a couple pitches and they're like they're flying out like denting the scoreboard flying into the trees and he's like so what's wrong with this guy and he's like all right that's enough throw him the curve and it's like. Woof. Like, he it, yeah, it's like he can hit the broadside of a barn if it's like a, a, anything that's like a curveball. Oh, awesome. And what's funny, he gets pissed off at the he, go, he like looks at like, God fucking damn it, you know. He gets so pissed. Now, one there's of the quote, high, there's a quote I put down, and I'm trying to remember who said this. The quote is, "Look at this fucking guy." Who said that? Because it made me laugh when they said it. God. God about look at this fucking guy. It was when they were. It was well, during when, tr- spring train or during the during the camp. Was it when Ricky Vaughn comes out with his hair all fucking hacked up? And <laughs> it must have been. He looks so douchey of that with his fucking... He yeah. had this cuff, earring, this ear cuff. Oh, with, that's a, awful. with a peace sign dangling off. It's like, Vaughn, we wear caps and sleeves in this league. <laughs> but I uh, like the wild thing thing. I remember uh, I posted a picture on uh, Gentleman's Guide to Sports, uh, this guy that he 
when the Pirates won, when uh, Clemente was there mm-hmm. in the early 70s, I think it was like 70, 71 maybe, um, Steve Blass, he was like my favorite player. Uh, him and Manny St. Guillaume were my two favorite players for the Pirates. And Steve Blass was this great pitcher. He could he had a fucking rifle for an arm and everything. And they won the World Series. And like one of the big highlights, uh, pictures from the World Series is him running and jumping into the arms of the catcher. And they won and everything. But then the year after that, he's one of these guys that started he got like a mental block oh and all of a sudden he was he would throw it everywhere he, he couldn't need, he needed to throw the puff ball yeah i mean he had no control he lost all control he would it was it was scary because he was like a night 100 mile an hour pitcher or whatever but you know he would throw it to the backstop he would throw it you know and and it ruined his career he couldn't they couldn't figure it out he went to psychiatrist and all this shit Jesus. well now he's a um uh, announcer for the Pirates, God, for the past, I don't know how long. He's really good and everything. But what's funny is we went to see an uh, an old-timers game, and it's, you know, you see some of the guys come out, and you're like, God damn, so-and-so got fat, you know, or so-and-so looks like shit. And here's Steve Blass. He looks basically 20 years later, he looks exactly the same pretty much as he did that. And he they put instead of having him pitch, they put him in the outfield, like center field. And he was just like, they would hit a fly ball and it was like nothing. He was just running, which shows you that a lot of those guys, they played baseball all their lives. Yeah. And even though they might be a pitcher or something, they, they can play pretty much probably anywhere. And he was fucking running and catching these damn fly balls over his head. And I was like, holy shit, man. He was actually a good athlete. <laughs> but it was it was just awful because, you know, you felt so bad for the guy. It almost reminded me of, um, I remember Steve Sachs for the Dodgers and mm-hmm. maybe Chuck Knobloch. They got that mental block where they couldn't throw from shortstop, uh. second base. And it, it was like that. But anyway, uh, Ricky Vaughn is sort of like that. Now, Lou kind of figures out why yeah. he is the way he is. Uh, and that was kind of cool because it, they could have just went with him just being like, you know, not having a lot of control. Um, his character was good. Uh, and, uh, the, but the main, the main focus and the main star, the, the, the one character that has the most focus is Barringer because mm-hmm. not only do you have, um, him playing baseball, you have him, in the locker room and all this and that. And he's the old vet that's Lou picks to be the leader in the locker room. But you also, they do the scene where he, the first time he's in the ballpark, he's out there with his douchey, uh, eighties, uh, little blazer and acid wash jeans and (laughs) t-shirt. And he stands at the plate with a, you know, uh, an imaginary bat and he calls his pitch and right. Runs around the bases and stuff. So it shows, you know, that he's kind of, you know, that's his dream. It's always been his dream. And Renee Russo is part of that. Um, she was, they were like high school sweethearts, college, you know, sweethearts and everything. And he blew it because he was, um, when he got to the major leagues, you know, he had groupies and all this shit. And she was the, his true love, but he blew it. And, um, so you set up all that stuff where pretty much everybody else is just in the clubhouse and on the field. You have a little bit with Corbin Burnson where they show his home life, but that's just to set up something later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which 
What did you think of his wife when she whored up? Uh, Okay. (laughs) When I first saw her, not very hot. Yeah, she kind of had a sort of Gorney Weaver conservative look. Yeah, but rich housewife thing. Later on, when you see her in the bar and it was obvious she didn't have a bra on, yeah, pretty fucking hot. Yeah, and I thought the owner of the team was pretty fucking hot, and and like a real like the uh, chick that's a real bitch that you would just like (laughs) to just you know. And that was that was a cool little a cool little thing they did with her with the with the you guys stink stand up. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, yeah, and, that was and yeah, the, what, how they motivated guys that way. Uh, I like the Yankees thing, and I especially like like uh, what I was going to say before. One of the highlights of the movie is Bob Euchre. Bob uh, Euchre is so hilarious. funny in this. Uh, he, <laughs> you st- you, the first time you see him, he's fucking pouring Jack Daniels into a paper cup while he's announcing and there's and he's like he's talking about listen to the roar of the crowd and he picks up on the microphone and you hear like three people in the audience like yay yeah he, they're so horrible that i mean he and he's probably been the announcer for a long time so which he, I, which i think he i don't know is he still doing it because uh, he really was shit, he's got to be pretty old now let's see bob euchre oh he's reti- uh, retired baseball player yeah uh, since yeah he's been announcing uh for the Brewers since seventy one. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I thought I, I was almost sure he was Milwaukee Brewers, and yeah. they're fucking awesome. Uh, I don't know if I'd say they're awesome, but uh, they beat the Pirates. Every he time. was a career two hundred hitter <laughs> with yeah, fourteen was, home runs and seventy four over. He was a catcher, yeah, yeah, for Milwaukee. But he's fucking funny, man. He's got a great, he's a really good sense of humor, and he could have probably wrote this goddamn movie. Tell you the truth, um, he was funny. I loved, I loved that when. When did you notice? I don't know why he did it. When he poured Jack Daniels initially, he rubbed a little bit on his ear. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's the classic line from it where he goes, "Just a bit just outside." That, yeah. I think that was in the trailer because I remember he, I, that's one you hear just over and over just again. A little outside. <laughs> and uh, I like his uh, uh, when the, he said something like "Goddamn," and the guy goes, "You can't say goddamn." <laughs> that's it. The line was, "He goes one hit. That's all we got is one goddamn hit." <laughs> uh, yeah, he was pretty funny, um, and. It's cool because you the, you know it's the underdog story. Yeah, the guys aren't supposed to do anything, and and uh, with and that's one thing I like about baseball is you can the Yankees prove this year because I, I remember hearing people bitch and bitch and bitch. You know, oh the Yankees they 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 buy the World Series every year, and I'm like, no, wait a minute. Now you 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 tend to forget like the '80s where they were buying. Every player they could, <laughs> they and they stank. weren't doing. Yeah, and they stunk. And then in the '90s, they grew all their players, and they were pretty awesome. Yeah, it's baseball is a first and foremost a team. Yeah, you you've had teams where they have uh, bought a lot of free agents and stuff and thrown them together, but you, I think for the most part, when when teams do that, it a lot of times it does not work. For the majority of the time, it doesn't. People hate it because it's like so. Steinbrenner's trying to buy it, you yeah. know. But for the most part, it doesn't really work. You have to have that uh, the chemistry, the, the chemistry, the, the yeah. X factor, the X factor, exactly. And um, and these guys have their 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 willing their uh, their need to show up their bitch man or bitch owner. Yeah, that one time when um, fucking Willie Mays Hayes is at bat and he's up there and. 
you know, of course, Lou, like you said, Lou tells him, you know, hit it on the ground. And he doesn't even bunt. I think, th- I don't even know if he even swung the bat around. It looked like the ball hit the bat. He, yeah, he, he, he was trying to get out of the way and it just and hit goes, his bat when Ooh. he leaned back. <laughs> but he made this little noise. He goes, Ooh, and just took off wrecking around. And everybody's like, what? That was the first at bat of the season, yeah. But I like the Yankees and the guy that was uh, Rick Vaughn's nemesis. Because you- first of all, Euchre fucking totally talks him up. And I love what he says something about the hair in his nose. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. can't remember what the quote was, but he says something about, you know, he's uh, leads them, leads, leads them in home runs, uh, batting percentage, and the amount of hair in his nose or something. <laughs> Cause he just looks like this. He's got a big Fu Manchu. Was his name, what was his name in the movie? Ah, shit. Was it, remember. was it Duke Temple? Was that him? Duke? No, Duke was a pitcher. He was the pitcher that pitched against Behringer when Behringer called the shot at the end. Uh, okay, I'll try to. Uh, yeah, because I wanted to look up who he was too, because I thought you know he was pretty, he was very good. I wondered if maybe he was a. He looked really intimidating looking, faux show. Let me um, see. Steve Yeager was somebody in this movie. Well, I remember Steve was Yeager real, playing catcher for the Dodgers. Must in real life, but he, he didn't look like that. Okay, whoever was Duke was Steve Yeager. Who was a who? Yeah, who looked like a catcher? Let's see. Then there's, and he was in all three. He was in all three major league movies. He got Haywood. He got replaced by Mike Sosha when uh, oh. Sosha came up. But Jaeger was he was a good catcher. I mean, he was there when Garvey and Ronson. Ah, I don't know who the hell this guy was? Yeah, whatever. I don't remember his name. But it's good. It's the underdog story, and and uh, you know you want them to pull together. Uh, some of the little clubhouse things they did that there was one part when the manager when uh, the owner the chick comes into the clubhouse and Lou stand there talking to her naked and everything they do these little things all in unison like when they did the uh it's not the middle finger but when you take your all the yeah the the, the g-rated middle finger where you where you like Slap your elbow yeah, with your but they hand all did and raise your fist in like almost like fucking uh <laughs> it was like, and then when they were sitting in the in the dugout with their rally caps on and they did that thing where they crossed their legs one way oh, then yeah. as they were, then they clapped and crossed them the other way. <laughs> they all did it in unison, which was funny and looked cool. But um, anyway, what do you, what do you think of what's some of your impressions of the major leagues? The, um, I, I'm glad you mentioned Euchre cause he's always been my, my favorite part of this cause I love how smart ass he is about it. And um, it's just a fun movie. Uh, you know, I, you, you know the i'm always glad when they do these that when they pick a team an, a, a, like an older team i don't know if this movie would work if they picked a team that was like you know well of course they needed the storyline that they had won in 40 years but you know if it was like a a, a movie about the arizona diamond diamondbacks or the the california angels i don't know if it would have quite the the impact yeah, you needed it. that industrial town yeah. kind of like you know people are like ooh Cleveland bleh. the um you know it's just it's a lot of it is just funny clip after funny clip probably I I wish they did a little more baseball and a little less Behringer uh uh what's her face Renee so yeah. yeah um <laughs> their storyline wasn't phenomenal they definitely didn't have the chemistry that Sarandon and uh, Costner have in yeah. Durham. But you know, it's 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 serviceable. And it's just a little 
you know, it's a it's a it's a dirty mouth little comedy. Um, the it, it's just funny. I know it's, it's comedy you know, classic. Oh, the the with the airplane. I laughed when the uh, they they're having a conversation, and in the background there's a there's like a handyman or something. He's taping. He's tape putting duct tape on one of the propellers mm. of the plane. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that thing. Was, was, what a piece of shit. That and then they fun. got on that fucking shitty bus. That's when they were. He was like, I don't, I don't uh, dig songs of Hiawatha. <laughs> now, uh, have you? I know because this movie was so good and so popular. I am a hundred percent that I saw Major League Two, but I don't remember anything about it. And it seems like okay, that this was eighty nine and that was ninety four. Like maybe it came a little too late. Let me see. Major League Two was ninety four. Uh, that was also Cor- that was all three of them again: Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, and Corbin Burnson. Snipes wasn't in it, right? Omar Epps plays. Haysbert was in it again. Yeah, Omar Epps was Willie Mays Hayes. I think I have seen that. I don't remember it. There's somebody in it named Allison Duty. It um, must not have been very good because I, I don't remember anything about it. I've and heard it also the, has Steve Yeager as Coach Duke Temple. I've heard the third one is a, is a piece of crap. Uh, Corbin Burnson's in it again. Haysbert's is in it again. And that's it. Yeah. Serrano is Haysbert. Doesn't even look like they have any of the other guys. Rube Baker. Back to the Miners. Is that what that was? Back to the Miners. I heard that was a big turd. (laughs) It looks like a fucking turd. (laughs) I I need to watch it. (laughs) Burnson's hair is just, it's got Scott Bakula. How bad could it be? (laughs) I like Bakula. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it's just like, this is kind of like in the same vein as a. I don't know, a movie like Necessary Roughness. There was a there was a there was a time like I don't know, it feels like a a, a movie of its time. Yeah. Um but it might have been one of the first ones to be like this because it was kind of a raunchy sports comedy. Um can you think of any before this that did this kind of well, like North this, Dallas 40, but I mean it was more serious. It yeah, was, I mean it had some a, funny stuff in being it. Being like a, a the raunchy comedy part, I mean. I guess raunchy. maybe Caddyshack could be considered like that maybe but uh you know i i didn't see this in the theater but uh it definitely was a hit so uh so let, let's just get into our ratings here oh this one i i give it an eight i liked it i mean it's yeah. and it still holds up i still i when i was started to watch it i haven't seen it in so long and i remember that i liked it uh, but when I started watching, I was right in there, and I mean, I didn't get bored, and I was and I was laughing my ass off at it. Yeah, so. it's funny. I give it an eight too. We're on the same page everywhere this week. So, um, pre-douche Charlie Sheen. This is pre-douche Charlie Sheen with the with a douchey lightning uh, hairline in the back and a ear cuff. <laughs> but um, California he, penal. He's funny. He's, he talks. This, like this, this is a good one. Time. It's uh, if you like baseball movies, you'll dig this one. How did he Just, turn into such a fucking goof? <laughs> And he, the th- he thinks that he's still being cool or something. He, he's he's bridge. I mean, he's just. I don't know. He didn't follow in his dad's footsteps. Like people will say, you know, oh yeah, but you wish you could have like porn stars and do all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, honest to God, he's such a fucking douche. And the way his life is, I wouldn't want to live like that. He's a fucking. A choke. Yeah, I'd rather. I would rather live Martin Sheen's life. Hell, I'd rather live fucking Emilio Estevez's life. 
He's Martin got, Sheen he's, was cool, man. He he's was got that Mighty Ducks Melius. Oh, yeah. He's got now, that. Uh, you know, let me ask you a question about okay. Melius. Okay. Now, this is just me. But if I was like a writer and some big fat blowhard came in and we were talking about something and he took a forty-five pistol out and set it down on the goddamn desk. Or the actor, yeah. Are you talking I'd be about like, who the fuck are you trying to impress? You're not going to, you know, you're what not going to sh- fucking shoot me, you fucking yeah. fat phony. Fucking, yeah, fat fucking phony. You're not going to shoot anybody. You're going to go to fucking prison uh, over this. Go fuck yourself. Take that gun and get the fuck out of here. And, I'll, and you'll never work a fucking again if you don't fucking trim the hair in your nose. Fatso. <laughs> All right, let's take a break and do well, zero right. feed sack and talk about what we're doing next week. <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah, this pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Kenny B. This is Tom KW. And we are two of the hosts from the Podcast on Fire Network. You want Asian cinema in a podcast? Well, we got the solution for you. Because at the Podcast on Fire Network, there's seven plus shows for you to choose from. You want Hong Kong action cinema and audio commentaries? We got that. You want dirty Hong Kong cinema? We got that. You want the eternal question, what's Korean cinema answer? We'll answer that. The flagship show Podcast on Fire covers classic Hong Kong cinema. Everything from Bruce Lee to Jackie Chan, John Woo and Jet Li. Featuring in-depth discussions with an aura of fun. This is your primary (laughs) stop in the podcast world for classic (laughs) Hong Kong cinema. So join me, Kenny B and Tom KW and a cast of thousands at podcastonfire.com also available on itunes on stitcher radio and come chat with us on the podcast on fire network facebook group and on twitter at podcast on fire podcast on fire network it's asian cinema in a podcast Clap. I just did on my uh, slap my leg. <laughs> you can't help it. Yeah. The fucking John Fogarty, man. That's a hell of a song. <sighs> I love his fucking voice. Yeah. Oh, I was a huge Creedence fan. All right. Uh, we got no feed sack this week. So. Keep him coming. Keep him coming. Yeah. I mean, uh, not coming. Or something. I don't care. Yeah. Post some more. News articles and random shit on our Facebook group. And <laughs> don't listen. Don't give a fuck. Um, so next week on the show, so somebody somebody posted um, something on the gentleman's guide group. Uh, the the uh, we oddly enough they posted about movies. The uh, the ten great overlooked films from the 1970s. So I kind of wanted to pull 
Um, something from this for our show for next week because I, I totally ride their coattails. But um, I saw that I came across the movie. They mentioned the movie The Outfit from 1973. John Flynn directed Robert Duvall, Karen Black, all those fun people. Jodan um, Baker. Jodan Baker. Um, so I like that movie. So uh, we decided to double it up. So these, the, this, this, the, uh, the outfit is based on a book by Donald Westlake called I Don't Know What. But he did another book called The Hunter, maybe? Um, but basically, was that was made into the film Point Blank with Lee Marvin that I saw recently. So they, I think this will be really fun to talk about. So next week, we're going to do a Donald Westlake uh, double feature. Two movies based on his novels. Um, Point Blank from 1967 and The Outfit from 1973. So that should be a, a fun show. Um, we, in, we invite you, fair listeners, to send us feedback at some point. Um, 206-339-1600 or silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on iTunes, and you can find us on Stitcher, and you can find us on our website at silverandgold.com, and you can join our Facebook group at silverandgold, uh, or, sorry, facebook.com slash group slash silverandgold. Um, and that's about it for this week. Zom, you got anything else you want to add to this travesty? Nah. nah. Travesty of justice. Still a baseball fan after all these years, so I like talking about the movie. So had a fun show, and um, hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, send us feedback with your favorite baseball shit or something, or do something. Get out and go see a fucking game. Yes. I'm going to try to do that very yeah, soon. Yeah, me too. All right. Um, so until... Next, it's got to warm up here, man. It's fucking been still been really chilly. Yeah, it's been in the 40s at night here. So, yeah, fucking been down the goddamn 20s still. I came home this morning and it was ice on my or frost on my fence, and it's almost May. What is going on? So much for global warming, am I right? Yeah, how about global not warming? (laughs) Until next week, this is Teabagger Loaf. Oot. Beggar's arm. Bye. Party face.